0: From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80.
1: What do you do when you're going for the knockout punch and instead you take the punch? What do you do? when you thought this was going to be your moment in a series and instead now you're left reeling. That is the very discussion they're having in Philadelphia after what we saw last night. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, were presented by Progressive Insurance, and we said it yesterday, HD, that when the minute we all found out Joel Embiid, the MVP of the NBA, was coming back for Game 2. This was the attempt to get the knockout punch. Instead, they got knocked out by the Celtics. 121-87 in a game that staggeringly didn't even feel that close. Like, the Celtics came in, and they were just, you get a basket, you get a basket, you get a basket, and they demoralized Philly in this game.
2: Fitz, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. (laughs) Last night, the Philadelphia 76ers got punched in the mouth, and rightfully so because, you know, game one, they were were able to steal that from Boston on their home court, so you knew Boston was going to come out and be phenomenal, but you look at this game, Joel Embiid came back MVP award winner for 2022-2023 season, and... I thought their mindset was, and I know they want to go out there and win that ball game, but they went out there and, you know, tried to get Joel and B back acclimated to the game of basketball, game-like situations, playoff basketball. And it didn't really dawn on me Fitz, till this morning. We're talking at our production meeting that Joel and B hasn't played a game in literally two weeks. April 20th was the last time that he actually played a basketball game. That's how long it's been. And for some reason it doesn't seem like it's been that long, but it has. And he played 27 minutes last night, more than I thought he was actually going to play. had 15 points, only four for nine from the field, didn't get up many shots. But I thought, you know, seeing this game, that James Harden wasn't the James Harden that we've seen in game one. He was two for 14 Mm. from the field, 0 for 6 from the three-point line after being phenomenal. I mean, phenomenal in game one and putting on a hell of a showing in that matchup at TD Garden. I thought the bench, they wasn't efficient enough. De'Anthony Melton along with Niang, those guys were two for nine from the field, a a combination of five points. In that first matchup, remember, De'Anthony Melton came off the bench and had 17 points and hit five threes in that game. So a combination of a lot of things, trying to get back acclimated to the game of basketball for Joel, Joel Embiid, playoff basketball. But I thought the pace that the Sixers played at was a bit slow, and rightfully so, because you want to get your MVP award winner back. Uh, back in the swing of things. You know, a a lot slower than they had in game one. I didn't think James Harden was uh, uh, that aggressive as we've seen him in that first matchup as well either.
1: Well, and, I mean, you're right. that It's been a long layoff. In the second half, there were times that Embiid just looked winded. He just looked out of gas. It looked like he was, I guess the the nicest way to say it's like, looked like he was laboring up and down the court. Like, nothing looked natural and easy for Embiid. And I just kept watching this thinking, this isn't what you expected, especially your point with James Harden going from being absolute Superman to being Clark Kent, but Clark Kent just a little behind on everything throughout the course of the night. Now, this is what Joel Embiid had to say at his press conference after the game about losing in his return to the lineup.
3: There's no excuses. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I'm I'm out here, so I'm good. I'm good to play. Um, you know, we, you know, we just gotta be better as a team. We didn't execute what we were supposed to do, and uh, they played freely on all, all night. Uh, they got whatever they wanted. Um, so, um, as far as me, like I said, I'm I'm good.
1: I mean, I understand his hey. There's no excuses, and you're right. But I'll go back to where we started this discussion a couple of minutes ago. If you're Philly, you got your MVP back. You took mm-hmm. game one, right? Now you've got your MVP back. You've got a night where Jason Tatum only had seven points, right? You got a night where he was a little off, obviously, 1% from the floor. You got a night where it feels like the little elements could have come together and they simply. Never did. They were never really in this game. The game at the half was closer than it felt watching it, and in the second half it was just an absolute implosion. And now I just keep thinking about, Harry, you know, as much as we talked about the knockout punch, if you go to swing and you miss, you got your chance to hit Mike Tyson in his prime <laughs> in his face, and he just turns around and uppercuts you, you got to find a way to get up off the mat after that one. Like, that's not going to be easy. 100%. For
2: 100%. And in game three, you, you got to come out with better energy, more so than you had in game two. Come out with the energy that you had in game one. And here, here's what I'll say for the role players. Um, of the players outside of Joel and B. now that he's back. In game one, you know he's not going to be there, so you're anticipating and, and uh, have the understanding that, you know what, each and every last one of us have to step up. we got to make these plays. Our superstar isn't here. Our top dog is going to be absent for this ball game. So, you know, everyone's antennas go up a little bit more, right? Game two, you, you, you found out late that you're going to get your guy back. So I don't want people to, you know, Joel is is back. We can take a back seat. No, still have that aggressive mindset. And, yeah, do you want to get Joel the ball? Yes, but still have that aggressive mindset because I knew in game two that the Boston Celtics was going to come out hitting on all cylinders, ready to play. You know, their their coach took a lot of heat as well in, in, in the late game of, of, of game one. So you knew he, he, you know, he probably said some things to his players and they were going to be ready. I just thought it was a perfect opportunity for for the 76ers to go up 2 on a series. But at the same time, you know, I have to – reality has to sink in. Embiid hasn't played in two weeks. So better to get them acclimated to game two, in my opinion, versus trying to do it in game three.
1: Uh, well, and that's a huge point here. Like, there is a little bit of – you're playing with house money. I know a lot of people hate that phrase – Uh, But I would say there is a little element of, hey, we know we're going to need some time to get him back on. Let's get him back in and let's get him warmed up and let's get him acclimated. I I can see some of that. It's interesting, though. I keep thinking about what you said just a second ago about coming out game two, right? How often – and this seems to be a theme in the NBA playoffs overall this year. Mm -hmm. How often have we been able to sit here on air and say, okay – I think I know which team has their back up against the wall in this game. And ninety percent of the time that team comes out with energy that the other side just can't match. Like we all knew that Boston was gonna have to come out with the best of what Boston can offer. And the fact that they were able to do it in that much of a ass kicking way and Philly just didn't seem ready for it, I just I can't understand that. How do you get out energy when you got your MVP MVP back and you know that you've got the chance to deliver the to deliver the blow here? They just couldn't get it done.
2: No, I, I feel the same way, Fitch, and I, I don't think, I don't think they went into the to, to the game with the mindset like you know, we're gonna lollygag and we have a game under our belt that we could play with. I just think, you know, when you're going against a team who went to the NBA Finals last year, and a lot of people are predicting the Boston Celtics to potentially go back to the NBA Finals this year and have an opportunity to win it, they are the two seed. I think your energy level at any moment, whether you're playing the two seed, the eight seed, the 1000 seed in the NBA playoffs, has to be up and should be up at all times. I don't think you ever have a moment where you can just sit there and say, you know what? We're going to coast through it. We're going to go through the motions. I just didn't see that, you know, that killer instinct from the Philadelphia 76ers and what you thought they would have had with their 6'10", 260-pound center who just won the MVP and who's been lights out all season for you when you got him back for a game two and you had an opportunity to go up
1: 2-0. Yeah, I,
2: opportunity I, to go up 2-0.
1: I love everything you're saying there because I'll forgive lack of effort on a Tuesday night in February. Like, we can just look around and say, hard to get up for that game. There's a lot of games. Yep. In the playoffs, that's not the case. Joe Embiid did afterwards. He was asked why he decided to play in game two. This is what he said.
3: The way we saw it, um, you know, what I have, you know, it's you know, supposed to be out for, what, four to six weeks or something like that, so... Uh, so I'm not going to be 100%, you know, for that whole time, or I'm not going to be fully healed for that whole time. And, um, you know, I felt pretty good, um, you, know, to, you know, to play. And I feel like, um, you know, I can help the team, um, you know, defensively and offensively. Obviously, offensively, I, uh, I wasn't as aggressive. I um, was just trying to let the game come to me. And then defensively, just protecting the rim. And, uh, you know, I did a fine job, you know, when it comes to
2: that. See, let let me tell you something important that he just said. He said, you know, coming back into the game, he wasn't as aggressive and wanted the game to come to him. Now, if I'm in B, and I don't know if he had these conversations with his teammates or not, but I think that's a conversation that should be had in the locker room with your guys that you're going out there on the court with. Not saying he didn't have it. Like telling those guys, hey, I'm coming back, fellas. I understand I won the MVP. I'm going to let the game come to me. So they can be aggressive, right? You shouldn't have to tell them, but I would have reiterated it to them anyway just so they know I need y'all guys to be aggressive. I need y'all to, you know, do what you did in game one. i figure it out.
1: Yeah, you're 1,000% right, and he needed more help from his support also. I mean, they shot 39% from the floor. They shot 20% from three. You just look across the board. And Boston shot 47% and 39%. I mean, they just got outshot. They got out-efforted. They got out-hustled. And in a game where they could have put this whole series away, instead, they took a punch. So now we'll see how they respond. Obviously, plenty of basketball left, and this seems to be one of the themes. Like, we see one version of a team game one and another version of a team game two. Which brings us to tonight. Because tonight, all eyes are going to be on the biggest matchup in all of sports. Lakers... Warriors, Game 2. Will we see the same sort of turnaround for Game 2 in that series that we saw last night? We'll answer that next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
0: LeBron James and the Lakers steal home court advantage away from the Warriors with a huge Game 1 win in San Francisco. How will Golden State respond? The coverage begins tonight at 8.30 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Presented by Indeed. and Harry,
1: the podcast.
0: James and the Lakers steal home court advantage away from the Warriors with a huge Game 1 win in San Francisco. How will Golden State respond? The coverage begins tonight at 8.30 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Presented by Indeed.
1: It's and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. And your smart speakers, just say, hey, play ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. It is going to be a party in California tonight. Uh, before we get to the Lakers Warriors, uh, Harry, you had quite the event last night. While we're talking about parties, you were out there doing some good in the community, raising some money, like uh, kudos to you, man. What were you up to?
2: Yeah, so uh, big brothers and big sisters of Metro Atlanta, I'm an honorary big for, and every year I host um, a fashion play event. It's basically a fashion show where, you know, we get uh, former Atlanta Falcons and also current Atlanta Falcons to come out and walk uh, the runway. Dillard's is a major sponsor, Fifth Third Bank. The Atlanta Falcons, Arthur Blank, uh, his foundation, those guys do a tremendous job of supporting the event as well. But man, we have uh, the bigs and the littles come out and rock the one uh, runway as well. It's just a phenomenal thing, man. We were able to raise $250,000 last night for the event. And basically, man, we, we're trying to defend the potential of these, of these young kids. I'm a big believer in, you know, it's all of our duty and our job, you know, to create a positive environment, also a positive uh, community for these kids to thrive and reach their potential. So whenever, you know, they call on me and need my help, I'm always be there to assist. This was our fourth one. This is my third year hosting and I'm gonna be there every year as long as I'm living. So it was a phenomenal last night, a lot of, you know, Top-notch clothes being worn a lot of people in there supporting a lot of people bidding on things And I just want to thank everybody I want to thank uh, big brothers and big sisters for for allowing me to be a part of it and everyone that's involved in all our sponsors Because because it was a phenomenal event last night
1: forever proud of the human being that I get to call a friend and a co-host That's one of the million things that makes you amazing dude Uh, good work by you and uh, congratulations on a great I'm sure you looked absolutely Uh, Incredible. There's no (laughs) doubt about that. Uh, My guy, Rock on the Runway, there was never a doubt about that. Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. By the way, some breaking news just in from Adam Schefter. Jalen Carter now the first 2024 first-round pick to reach an agreement landing a four-year, fully guaranteed $21.8 million deal. For a source, the deal was negotiated by a whole slew of agents. Uh, obviously, this this is done. These things are slotted, but it is a moment here for Eagles fans to know: four years, fully guaranteed, twenty one point eight million dollars is the haul for Jalen Carter. And now he gets to move on and start uh, working in his life towards becoming the best professional. He can be. Uh, Wanted to get you updated on that. Also, tonight, again, coverage begins on ESPN Radio at 8.30 for Lakers-Warriors. That game is at 9 p.m. Eastern. Coverage begins on ESPN with uh, NBA Countdown at 8 p.m. Eastern. I want you to hear something, Harry. This is Draymond Green on his podcast talking about the Warriors and having to adjust to LeBron in this series.
3: LeBron is playing a totally different style, a totally different game than we've ever seen him play before, and it's interesting figuring it out you're not used to seeing LeBron off the ball so much. And so I thought that was interesting and, and something that we'll have to adjust to. Uh, it's just not your typical LeBron running the show, which, which is a bit weird.
1: So it sort of speaks, Harry, to what we expect in Game 2. Adjustments yep. we've already seen are a huge part of Game 2. The Warriors have been looking at every ounce of this, and I'm not sure the Lakers are really going to be in a position to adjust what they do given the number of minutes that AD and LeBron played. I don't think there's suddenly a huge change for them, but the Warriors are going to have to make some changes defensively on how they approach this in game two. I think it's one of the most interesting things is to realize that this isn't the LeBron they're used to facing.
2: Well, yeah, and and LeBron's going to be off the ball. It's something I I actually noticed in the Memphis Grizzly series, right? But LeBron is getting up there in age. So you don't want him hailing the basketball if you're the Lakers every time down the court just exerting all kind of energy. You you want Austin Reeves to have the basketball. You want D'Angelo Russell to have the basketball. Dennis Schroeder, those guys, you know, putting the team and orchestrating the offense and putting guys in positions. To be successful. Now, if you're the Warriors, what you can't do is have a play like you know Andrew Wiggins had with LeBron James. Uh, he's guarding him, and Austin Reeves has the basketball, and he allows an alley hoop dunk because he's not paying attention to his man. I don't know how in the hell you forget about LeBron James and where he is. He's just all time leading scorer in the National Basketball Association. Uh, <laughs> I think when it, when also when it comes to the Lakers, I think moving forward for them, continue to impose your will. That's one advantage that you have in this game, uh, in this series, and I don't think you want to get into a track meet with the Golden State Warriors. You take your opportunities and transition when you have them, but every chance that you get to impose your will, whether it's in the paint, whether it's in the paint on the defensive end, whether it's going up for rebounds, making the Golden State Warriors feel that physicality, I think it's going to play towards your strengths, and less towards Golden State strengths.
1: So, Harry, uh, big Star Wars. You're not a big Star Wars fan, right? So, nah. uh, I know. Has anybody never, De-
2: never even seen any of the movies? Okay,
1: Heaven and Devin. Any any Star Wars? <laughs> like, okay, there's no Star Wars reference here at all. Uh, like, Devin? Yeah, I like Star Wars. Okay, maybe somebody will get this. But you'll appreciate this. In Empire Strikes Back, that was the second movie when I was a kid, uh, they had these huge, like, uh, these massive, you know, sort of devices that were running through the snow, and nobody could take them down because they were huge. They were mountain-sized, four legs. They looked like massive robots, right? Like, you got to take them down. And all they had were these little fighters, and the little fighters just kept running around them with string trying to trip them and make them fall. And I make that analogy today because I feel like that's a little like what the warriors are going to have to do. When you have big, huge, tall, oh, my God, we can never stop them, you run around and you just try and see if you can get them to fall. <laughs> Devin, are you following me on this a little oh, bit? I'm following you for sure. Okay. Or
0: you could do the Draymond, you know, hit him in the no-no places again.
1: Okay, well, that that's a little oh, bit, that's man. next level, okay, but uh, when I was a kid, there was a video game version of Empire Strikes Back, and you would try and get that Devil, one Devin, your infatuation is
2: weird, but go ahead, Fitz.
1: With the no-no? With, with, the, with <laughs> What? The, I mean, it's just a trend in the Not, nah, But I, I play the video <laughs> game, and I would try and get my little fighter to go around the feet of these huge, 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 you know, uh, the, these huge ships for him, and try and get the thing to fall over. That's what you gotta do here. Like, I don't think the Warriors, in my mind, the Warriors are just gonna have to go out there and say, okay, can. LeBron and AD play 40-plus minutes? Let's find out. Can LeBron and AD continue to run up and down the court at the pace we want to run at? Let's find out. Can two guys that I said had to be huge, Schroeder and Vanderbilt, can they continue to run at the level that Steph is going to make them run? Let's find out. Like, if I'm in the Warriors' boat right now, I'm sort of taking a let's-find-out approach to this game by not necessarily changing a lot of what I'm doing, but ramping up what I'm doing pace-wise particularly.
2: Well, I think one of the things they have to do is let Steph Curry be more so of a ball handler, because now... Now, you know, Jared Vanderbilt can't face guard him and try to stop, you know, his offensive teammates from getting him the basketball. Also, we've seen when you have more offensive threats, when you have four of those guys on the basketball court, the Warriors can score, I think, more so in bunches versus having two guys out there that aren't offensive threats. And then I think also, lastly, for me, when it comes to the Warriors, I'll say two things. Pick the pace up even more. But the last thing, when you get into the painted area, make quick decisions. Don't second-guess. Don't hesitate. You, you, you can't afford to do that because you're going to have a defender coming behind you. You're also going to have a, a defender in front of you. So when you get into that painted area, just make quick decisions. Whether you want to shoot the ball or you want to pass it. Don't, don't, don't second-guess yourself because now you're allowing the defense to gain that much ground on you.
1: Uh, Devin has, by the way, corrected me. What are these things called, Devin? Uh, at yeah. Okay. No.
0: Yeah, they're called AT-ATs. Get them right. All-terrain, I'm not armored, something. Anyways, okay. may the 4th be with you.
1: May the 4th be with you. <laughs> I'll try and fit more uh, more, more weird Star Wars analogies into the show. Fitz and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career you'll love with flexibility, great pay and benefits, and one of the country's top workplaces? Come join their growing team. Go to Progressive.com careers and apply online today. From the gridiron to the big screen, how not making it to the NFL ended up being the best thing for one former player. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM XM channel, lady. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. It has been confirmed AT-AT are the names of the... I don't know what you call the, these, like, as transportation. I I don't know. The the toy that I wanted in Star Wars, they were huge. Like if you were like me, and you—I mean, I grew up broke ass, but like I definitely always wanted the AT-ATs, Harry. You're just gonna have to Google them. You look at a picture; it looks like this big four-legged thing that's like massive, and you know the bad guys were in it. It's a whole thing. Uh, just just look it up, Harry. I promise. Uh, I asked my wife. Okay, Harry's never seen. The, yeah, it, it, Harry's never seen the Star Wars movies. I'm dying on the hill here. All right, let's get to somebody that can actually uh, save the show at this point. Amari Hardwick, star of The Mother on Netflix, joined Joining us now on the show, uh, appreciate your time, man. Uh, really excited for the mother. Uh, I'm a huge fan of J Lo on the music side of it. What was it like working alongside uh, her on this film?
4: First of all, thanks for having me, my man. I appreciate it, and I and I love that you guys have a show. That's always a good thing. You need <laughs> you need pro- you need proper souls with proper microphones. How about that? That is very cool. Appreciate um, that. Yes, she is a giant, obviously in the musical space, as we all know. Who wasn't? raised on her music, who wasn't raised on her art, on her dancing, you know, shout outs to obviously what she even did on, um, in living color, I guess doubly shout outs to Keenan, Aubrey Wayne's and the whole Wayne's family. Um, but it's been an incredible journey of me getting to a place where perhaps I embraced maybe the, the, the real movie star in me, you know, I really struggled with that for a long time, being an athlete coming from football, as you guys know, in all sports, respectively. I was baseball and basketball growing up equally. But being a football guy, like, really, you know what that mentality is like. And it's so much about what happens definitely pregame in terms of X's and O's in the locker room, but, but also just in terms of being such a part of a team. And I think it was a hard thing for me to embrace what I did bring to the table best in this world of acting was that I was making sets feel like teams, or I was at least bringing that construct but it's an industry full of individuals who like themselves way too much. If you catch my drift. So I struggled for a long time embracing what would come with that four letter word of, of, you know, becoming a film star, like a, a real, that as much as those were the guys that I really looked up to growing up from Newman to Denzel to Redford, Steve McQueen, you know, I looked up to those cats. So as much as that was the case, that God was reminding me, you are that, um, I really struggled with it. And I got to say working with Jen for me might've been one of the last keys needed at unlocking that door that I was deciding to stay on the other side of and instead walking into that room of like, you know, I really own what you bring to the table, not just as an artisan former athlete who's really into making the plays and, and being as gifted in, in the aesthetic of being a, a thespian um, as you were in, in athletics, equally embrace the aesthetic of of holding your own next to a superstar. So, Jen did a lot more for me than she perhaps even knows, because she really might have been the tour de force to kick me off to where I know I'm going in that wow. in that way. But every that's, day was a different dope. a different moment of learning more about her every single day. So it, it was a, a beautiful run, bro. Beautiful.
2: That, that that that's that's huge, man. Especially when you're trying to you know, still find certain pieces of yourself when it comes to film. Um, that, 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 that's major. I'm glad, I'm glad Jen uh, could bring that side out of you. But now, Fitz and Harry, this show, we're a fan of beautiful places. And you guys were able to film beautiful on the Spanish, yeah, the, Sp- the Spanish island of uh, Gran Canaria, which was used to portray <laughs> a Cuban city in the field. What was it like yes. to film in such a beautiful, beautiful location, my man?
4: Oh man, it was definitely um, climate-wise very conducive. Opposite of that, which in Vancouver was rain maybe every two days, and we were there for freaking sixty days or or whatever it was. So it was absolutely conducive to staying at a certain mental space um, where where we were smiling way more by the time we got to Grand Canaria. Cause you're right, it's beautiful, man, and the weather was just. Perfect while we were there the entire time, um, not too hot, not too. It was like it was flawless. But interestingly, as you stated, my man had doubled as Cuba, so we had to be not in the most pretty parts of it because it needed to be, um, shall we say, in the inner workings of Cuba. So it wasn't in the flyest. It, we weren't doubling the flyest of Cuba. Canary was serving as the downtrodden parts of Cuba. So if you saw the film, I'm assuming did y'all brothers see the film yet? No. No, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm seen go, it. I'm going to go see it with my wife. So when you, that's smart, bro. Make sure you go with wifey. But <laughs> see what I'm saying? I, I know, I learned. Make sure you do that. Uh, don't bring your other wife, bro. Bring your wife wife. I, I don't know, know what you're talking
2: about, Amari. See, there you no, go I'm with the that work work nonsense. The I don't know what you're talking running. about. <laughs>
4: Dude, make, sure, make sure you bring the wife wife. But when, <laughs> <laughs> when we were, in, when we were in, it, in it, what I learned was um, because there's so many running scenes in the movie that you guys will see, what I learned was that Grand Canary had way more cobblestone than I thought. Now, it didn't help because I was dressed in high-tech boots, and that ain't great. That's like playing football and, and skates, you know what I mean? Like, it was crazy. But I had a lot of running scenes uh, while there, a lot of running scenes. Jen got to get down on a motorcycle, but I was on my feet the whole freaking time. So a couple, couple, you know, sprained ankles here and there. I pulled, a, I pulled my, my hamstring, and I kind of went, you know, it was football all over again just in terms of sprinting fully suited, not in, not in that kind of suit, but fully suited in like military cop fatigues. And then I had on high tech boots and I probably ran, man, three days out of, out of four days. I was running.
2: Now, I, I appreciate that advice. You know, make sure I take my wife to the movies with me to see the movie. But, yeah, you know, goes. I can't take, I can't take your parenting advice because, you know, in power, you're the follower of Tyreek with his little badass, And in the power book well, of Ghost, he, he continues well, you to, t-
4: you can't take Ghost. Uh, parenting advice. You can take Omari's parenting advice. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's what I'm.
2: Ta- that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about ghosts now. About I'm, ghost I'm so talking about. I'm talking yeah. about ghosts now. I because know, he but ta- you got
4: to. You got to let me know who you talk about. Because if you <laughs> want me to, I'm gonna give you a different interview <laughs> if you're talking about ghosts. It's you
2: know? Okay, so I'm. You I'm talking to ghosts now. I'm talking to ghosts now. You I, now. asking?
4: I might come you if you talking to ghosts.
2: Look, mm. your little, your little son out here being outrageous, being crazy, and he just like you, ghost. He learned from you. What do you got to say to the parents out there who need to control their kids and get them on the right track?
4: (laughs) I would say that timeouts don't necessarily work. As much as all of these parents are believing, the new modern parent is really believing in timeouts. I don't think timeouts ever worked, no matter what era, what generation you're in. Tariq uh, probably needed a couple different kind of moments of being disciplined. But again, that's, you know, the writing, man. Everything's on page. Shout out to the writers who, of course, are striking for a reason. It shows you the value of the pen, my G. You got to write it. Yeah, that ain't on me. Is, all I did was show up and did my part. You got to write it.
1: <laughs> I got to ask you, too, like, we know this in your background. You went to Georgia on a football scholarship. Uh, when Georgia's playing, the run they're on right now, who are you trash-talking? Like, uh, we talk to the music community a lot on this show, and country music <laughs> people always trash talk. Who are you trash-talking when Georgia's winning?
4: Oh, I'm all, I'm always trash-talking Alabama. You got to go to the top. You know what I mean? Like, people talk about John Stockton, of course, and Karl Malone and people like that, Charles Barkley included, not ever getting rings. Who are they going to trash talk forever? They're going to trash talk A1, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Mm-hmm. Michael probably as mm-hmm. many rings as he won, aided, obviously, by the Robin of them all and that being Scottie Pippen and, obviously, the guru himself and Phil Jackson and an incredible staff around these guys. Michael, more than he won rings, he basically kept people from winning their rings. So I think mm-hmm. once you get two, and, of course, my bro who played free safety with us, Kirby, is at the helm as the coach, which has afforded us all to come back as alum because Kirby is our teammate and he's now coaching. I think we go back at his old stomping ground of that, of that which he was trained at. And, and, you know, Saban is, of course, the guy who was the guru who trained Kirby. So anybody who played at Alabama, and I got many a friend who did, and anybody who's connected to it, even if their sons play there, or their daughters, you know, go to school there or play athletics there. I really go at Alabama, man. I go hard at them. I go at LSU a little bit. I got a couple cats that went to LSU who I like and rock with and grew up with, but Alabama, I'm trash talk- talking to the end, bro.
2: All the way. Alright, so so really quick before we let you go, Georgia has the opportunity to 3P. Mm-hmm. Do you think it happens under Kirby Smart?
4: I think a 3P is really hard to come up with, bro. I think that Kirby will have and bring to the table another loud season. If loud is a successful boom, boom, bang out season, I think we'll have that. I think it's really difficult to get a three-peat. I want to believe, of course, that we can do it, but I don't know. And the stuff that happened during the, what, hours after we won with the horrible, sad death of of the young cat who played on the team equally as a sophomore, those things are hard to bounce back from. So if they figure that out, they figure out some locker room stuff and like how to bounce back from that, use that perhaps as as motivation, then we got a shot. But I think it's really hard to pull up a three-peat man.
1: What I know is that during those big profile games, Harry and I are usually somewhere on the sideline. You got to come say hi this time, man. Amari, congratulations on The Mother. It begins streaming on Netflix May 12th. Check it out. Make sure you watch it. We appreciate you hanging out. We hope you come back and hang out with us again.
4: And area I'll be back. Y'all come hang out with me when That's, I call y'all. Y'all better be there when I call you. Oh, I appreciate oh, I'm y'all. There. no I'm questions. There,
1: Amari Hardwick again, mother starts streaming on Netflix on May 12th. You do not want to miss it. Uh, fun time, man. That the, the great story for him, too. Uh, loved his honesty about you know trying to figure out how to navigate the world coming out of the athletics world. Uh, really cool stuff from him. Lamar Jackson has spoken for the first time since he got his new deal. You want to hear what he said just moments ago. We'll play it for you next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80.
3: Brought to you by Wendy's $3 breakfast deal. Fitz and Harry, the
2: podcast.
1: Officially, the Ravens have announced a new five-year agreement with Lamar Jackson. The Ravens got an assist from the Falcons and the Commanders and
0: all these other teams that are desperate for quarterback play. Those teams actually helped Baltimore keep Lamar Jackson by not creating any market for him whatsoever. But for
4: the next five years, there's a lot of going on. <laughs> Let's go, baby. Let's go, man.
1: For the first time since signing his mega contract, Lamar Jackson today spoke to the media. And what he says lays out a pretty clear path of how we got here and where we're going. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. A lot to break down here. Lamar Jackson just spoke to the media, Harry. And, of course, the first question I think a lot of people were wondering, given the fact that we knew that he made a trade request at the beginning of March, is... What changed since his trade request then? Lamar Jackson, this was his answer.
3: Today we're going to keep it about the future. You know, I'm not really worried about what happened in the past. I'm going to keep it about these next five years and keep it about, you know, what's going on today. You know, it's a great day. Great day just signed with the guys up here. That's all I'm focused on right now. (laughs)
1: Harry, I don't blame him, too. you got that money. ain't worried about the past. (laughs) No,
2: that's the right mindset to have, right? Uh, There's no reason to look in your rearview mirror when you have everything ahead of you to accomplish. He wants to win a Super Bowl, right? You can't win a Super Bowl looking at everything that transpired at this moment. You got your money. You got paid. Now you have your offensive weapons. It's time to move forward, and it's time to get acclimated to this new offense that Todd Monken is going to be running now for the Baltimore Ravens. No more of the Greg Roman situation where it's heavy, heavy, heavy run. You're still going to have the run game, but you're going to have better pass concepts and um, probably a more balanced Baltimore Ravens from an offensive standpoint. But I I love Lamar's energy, man. he's, He's one of the, I think, one of the most amazing players I've ever seen, but also I think his personality allows him to be, along with this play, allows him to be the leader of that organization, the face of that franchise, and so likable by so many people.
1: Yeah, There's a place and a time for all of these questions. Today just wasn't ever going to be the right time to get an answer on that. Like, if you've got a friend that you know just went through, like, a brutal breakup, and the next time you see him in public, he's back with his girl, that's probably not the time. At dinner, you're not leaning over and being like, hey, man. Mm -hmm. Uh, thought she was crazy Uh, you guys back together you're probably not doing that right then like right now the last thing you want to do if you're Lamar or the Ravens is bring up any bad feelings of what you've gone because this has been drug out at this point for years so the last thing you want to do is bring any of that up now that being said uh, there was the conversation about the opportunity to meet with other teams and Lamar Jackson was also clear on what he wasn't looking for in that as well
3: like, to be honest with you, I really didn't care for other
2: teams, really. I just really wanted to get something done here. Like, I wanted to be here. It was like, man, okay, other teams cool, but I want to be a raven. Like, I said, I said something 2018, you know, I think it was April 26th, if I'm not mistaken. And I meant that, you know, I'm standing on that until I get it done. So I really wanted to get this done before anything, before I even want to, before my time up and branch off somewhere else, you know, I really want to finish my career here and win the Super Bowl here. So that's what I
1: meant. Again, Ooh. Harry, like, he, he thought he might want to see other people. He shows up at the dinner party with the same girl. Like, there's no way you're going to be like, I <laughs> thought you were going to see other people. Like, it's just not happening. I, well, I, I, Fitz,
2: I, I think in this situation, um, I think the Jalen Hurts contract really served not just the Baltimore Ravens, but also Lamar Jackson. It was a very pivotal contract uh, to these two sides, Lamar Jackson and his camp and also the Ravens organization, being able to come to the forefront and be able to agree on a deal which is $185 million guaranteed, $260 million over the next five years. I think it's $52 million per year. And sometimes, you know, other things have to happen around you for you to see the light, also for other people to see the light. And I think Lamar Jackson seen the Jalen Hurts contract and seen what the market was. And I think the Baltimore Ravens understood that where they were in their stance. But at the end of the day, I truly believe Lamar Jackson wanted to be in Baltimore, Now, in saying that, I think when you look at him and you look at all these other young quarterbacks who who are with their franchise and and re-signing with their franchise, deep down inside, I think he truly wanted to, you know, be with the Baltimore Ravens, the team that took a chance on him and moved back up into the first round and chose him 32nd overall.
1: Man, there are a lot of people here talking about you know, contracts and what it's like to negotiate them that have never been part of contract negotiations. That's all I think about every time we think about this because Mm -hmm. you can think all day long. And you did this as a player. I did this as a musician. You can sit down and you can be like, oh, man, I think my value is X. We do this in this business too. Like, I think I'm worth X amount of dollars. I am sure. I know how many you sit down with your agent if you have one, and you're like, I know we're going to get this. And then the offers start coming in. And sometimes the offers are bigger than you'd ever expected. You're like, holy cow, I misjudged the market. Sometimes the offers are smaller than you expected. Holy cow, I misjudged the market. Misjudging the market is just something that happens. So then how do you adjust to it? He was certain he had a certain market to it. The more information we got to it, the more he had to step back from some of that. He did that, swallowed his pride, if that's part of it, and still takes a life-changing deal that's absolutely incredible, Harry. Like, I just think this is normal in contract negotiations, and we're trying to make it out like it's not.
2: Well, yeah, and it's it's no shame of Lamar Jackson for what he may have thought. But now, they're to a point now where both sides were able to reach a deal. Now, he can move forward and focus on the game of football, right? There's no more dark cloud worrying about, are the Baltimore Ravens going to pay me? Am I going to have a contract? Do I have to go out here on the franchise tag? Should I stay true to my principles? There's no more of that. They're at the point now where they can just move on and he can play football.
1: We'll break down more of Lamar, but coming up, why was someone so salty after a huge win? We'll tell you next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio.
0: Fitz and Harry, the podcast.